I don't think I shared the blender cleaning itself trick. Have I done that one? Like, the blender will clean itself? You're getting the scrunchy face for me because I'm like, oh my god, more cleaning. <laughs> well, I was talking to someone, what was it? No, it's been two No, no two we're not going to talk about that. We're going to talk about this awesome, awesome mouthwash that Wait, I, I can't got. talk about my blender. All right, I'll save no, my blender for we're gonna next time. We're going to save that. Right. So, I went to the dentist, and I don't like Thank the you dentist. <laughs> I was about to call you a name on air. That would have been totally inappropriate. Um, anyway, went to the dentist, and I had just eaten breakfast, and I was like, um, can I have a thing of mouthwash before you go poking around in my mouth just because I was trying to be courteous and and the mouthwash they gave me was amazing like amazing it was just amazing and so I asked the lady I said well can you tell me what that is so I can buy some and she kind of laughed and I was like no no I'm serious so my dentist appointment was on Tuesday it is Friday and I am holding this big old bottle of Philips Sonicare Breath RX it's an antibacterial mouth rinse she got it on Amazon it's magic magic so we didn't do a cleaning tip well we did as a cleaning no, tip a cleaning it is a cleaning tip. tip you did a cleaning tip i did a cleaning tip. <laughs> welcome to teaching gap podcast episode 21 february 8th 2019 friday where we gather out the gap teaching gap parent gap and life gap and try to find all the solutions as best as we can with your help and thank you for those who email in and write in and um, what am I missing? Oh, here in the kitchen. I'm Dave Crumbine. And right next to him, this is Aisha Crumbine. And we almost recorded this episode with you 5,000 miles away. We were going to do our first remote one when you uh, were overseas. I probably, we probably could have done it. I never got on <laughs> EU time. I was exhausted. <laughs> it might have been really funny. Last time we did the David Letterman style top 10, I did 10, you did 10. So that this was a time lot. We'll do, just make it an actual 10. You got your five, I have my five, we'll go back and forth. I am so curious to see <laughs> where the overlaps are, because they have got, I... Yeah, we don't, I, for you... For so, people who are listening, yeah, we, don't, we, don't, we don't talk. We don't so, share it. yeah, he sent me a text maybe... <laughs> 40 minutes ago that said, could you please work on your top five? Um, because I'm more of a winger. He's more of a planner. That's why we fit. Mm. So it will be interesting to see what your five are and if there's any overlap with mine. And, and even with 10, this is such a heavy subject. It's two things. It's a heavy subject, which is like almost impossible to put in one person's five. I think it's almost impossible to put in 10 out of two brains. But it's also just something I don't feel like people talk a ton about. There's always, well, here's this way to teach math, or here's this way to teach science, or I've got this cool thing for a lab. But let's talk about the culture in a classroom. It, it, it's just so large. And I, I, am, I am so excited to finally do this. And you can't say this about yourself, but I will say this about you. So you taught for 20, 20 years. And um, I, I just cannot express how phenomenal you were at culture and how that paved the way for the academic success your students had. Um, so for a long, long time, I've been trying to get Mr. Crumbine over here to write a book about classroom culture. And we had a title. I was like, do it, do it, do it. Again, because I'm not a planner. I'm just like, do it. <laughs> um, so I, I'm really excited to talk today because I think there, there are so many things that you knew or that you know and that you did in your classroom that made it possible for you to have you know, the highest standardized test scores in your district and that made it possible for your kids to make so much growth um, in any one school year. So... This is like, get your pen, take some notes, this is gonna be good. And we're gonna miss so much because I, I really, not only could this be multiple podcasts, not that we're gonna do multiple episodes, not I do think we should do a deep dive on the, on the big ones. On the big ones, yeah. And, it, and the, you're right, I mean, there's books of this stuff written, so in something that you think is huge that we missed, tell us. Um, 
Or if you have a question about or question, something please. we said. I yeah. love answering questions, especially when it comes down to this topic. All right. Should we dive right into it sure. then? Um, and I will, one caveat. Um, I didn't put, I know we normally do like the top 10 and you go in order from least important to mm, most important. Yours I, is just a five. I, my brain doesn't work that way. Like Yeah, they, well, and I noticed on mine that there was so much overlap. And there was, there's one in particular we'll get to, I realized. So this one embodies the, other the others, one. Yep. but I yep. couldn't list it. Last, meaning last, most important, or biggest bang for your buck, right? Because yeah. when he goes down his list of top ten, it's you're always waiting for number one. Like, oh, what's number one? Yeah, no. So There's... I couldn't put the one there. So I'll have to kind of caveat explain that when we get to that. But for number five. Yeah, do yours first. Um, and it's always probably the first one I ever talk about. when that if any, All the questions I ever got from visitors of like, I don't understand, how come your kids are doing this thing and how do they learn to do that well or the system or the procedure and like, why is it that you cannot pay attention to them? Why is it that you can like turn your back and they're just doing what they need to do? My favorite answer was always, I just slip them all $20 and just do that. <laughs> but I think the first thing that I said every time that question would actually be my number five, which was preventive maintenance. I've, I've watched too many teachers to count who would get frustrated at kids, individual kids for an individual choice in the hallway to a whole class in the classroom. They'd get frustrated at kids for something they hadn't actually taught. And I know you <laughs> like this one, so I'm going to let you, before I finish mine, I'll let you expand on it. Because you've always said this before, the whole, oh, you should have known better. I know that's like been a big one you've talked mm -hmm. about before. It's, oh, you should know better. But from where? Like, where are you assuming that they're going to... Have learned that yeah, before. Yeah, and, and even if they had learned it before, does that mean that they learned it in the way in which you want them to learn it? No way. So I don't know if you want to dive before so, I Yeah, so this is one of mine. It is... What do you call it? Tell them and teach them how to do what you expect. There it is. Yeah. Um, I, like you said, like, we... we Oh, we, we thought we're, we saw <laughs> we the screen we, blank. Wait, wait, the screen what? on Dave's iPad went Please like tell me you didn't it, it like closed it. off. Okay, why um, did you do that? Why did it go I don't know, but that was very stressful. Oh, that was freaky. <laughs> that was like a, a five minutes. I didn't want to re-record. No. Okay. Um, so I, I think there are so many times like we. I've heard people say, "Well, they should have learned that at home, or they should just know how to behave, or they should just know." <laughs> it, these are children. They don't just know like. We have to assume that they don't know. And everything that we expect of them, we have to teach. And and I, I remember watching like Day's class in the very first couple of weeks of school. He did everything from like teaching them how to wait outside the door, teaching them how to come into the room and get into seating position one, or get into seating position two, or how do you, um, like, how loud do you talk in the cafeteria to, if he stands up at the front of the room, how long should it take them to be quiet and pay attention to him? Like, every single thing that he expected of them, he taught them. Now, I want to put the asterisks in here, because 100% of that is, is, is right. I, I get so nervous when I hear people think through that concept when you think, okay, I got to break it down in the steps, the misconception is that means I have to turn this into pre-K. Well, if mm. there's this little step and this little step and this little step, and you could be doing this with kids who are six, you could be doing this with kids who are 11. I did in middle school. You can absolutely be school, doing yeah. this with kids at an advanced level in, in high school or certainly the beginning of high school. Because you break down steps, and this goes so beyond culture. This goes to teaching, where I have watched teachers believe, okay, I'm a math teacher. I'm going to break this down into small steps, so I'm going to make it really clear. Because you go into steps does not mean it has to be boring, simple, and juvenile. Does not mean it has to be lack challenge. It doesn't have to lack rigor. That's what I'm trying to say. It does not have to lack rigor because you break it down into steps. And so if you're not sure, well, wait, how do I take a basic step and essentially not 
make it basic, like reach out to a colleague, reach out to someone, ask, because I, that, that part worries me. Preparation doesn't mean it's devoid of complexity. And the Abraham Lincoln quote is my favorite one on that. If I had six hours to chop down a tree, I would spend four hours sharpening the ax. And that resonated in my mind. Someone came and watched the prep that we would do with the kids in the first week of school. Mm -hmm. And they emailed and said, oh, that reminds me of the Abraham Lincoln quote. And I, I just, you know, it felt good not because they said it, but because that's exactly what I had in my mind and that's exactly what, yeah. I, what I was trying to do. I think sometimes we, like I think of, like an example of this when I said like, I think we were watching a class recently or I was watching a class recently and the teacher got up to speak and had to like constantly ask for the kids' attention. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. And, 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 and those are things like if it's going to frustrate you as a teacher four months into the school year, you've got to plan and teach them how to do it the right way to eliminate that frustration down the line. So in watching Dave's classroom, one of the things he did at the very beginning was he made it a contest. He's like, when I stand up at the front of the room, let's see how fast the class can get quiet to hear what I have to say. So 112 kids needed to get everyone quiet in under three seconds when I started talking with the normal volume without saying Shh. to each other <laughs> and as year goes on without tapping on each other but that i mean that can be done later so and and it re and and it sounds crazy right like 120 kids in three seconds it, it worked right and what he would do is he would say okay i'm gonna go stand at the front of the room and let's see how fast we can do it and he would do it and they would get it in 20 seconds and he'd say okay we're gonna do that again and he would go to his desk or whatever, and then he would go give stand. Him, give him a topic to tell us, like, you know, what are your favorite, uh, your favorite meal, favorite dessert, favorite book, favorite TV show, so that they had a, a starter on a conversation when they started talking to each other. Okay. Yeah, so the, the kids would turn and talk to each other, blah, 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 and then they would stand at the front of the class, and they would, get, they would do better, right? They'd go from 30 seconds to 15 seconds. And then he'd keep doing it until they hit the mark. And it showed kids two things. One, that they could try again. And I think that is such a powerful thing. Like I, I talk about that all the time. Like giving kids the opportunity to try again towards mastery is magic. Um, but then two, that meant he could stand up in the classroom. It meant if he needed to get the kids' attention in the cafeteria, he did it because he taught the kids what was expected and gave them an opportunity to demonstrate that they could do it. So when it came time, when there was a time and it didn't work, he could go back and say, okay, we did this at the beginning of the school year. You know how to do this. Let's try that again. <laughs> and it can be done without any frustration because you can do the reminder, and if it still doesn't work, definitely don't do any more reminders. Just go back and practice it mm -hmm. again. And all mm -hmm. of a sudden, all the prior knowledge is there, so they do so much better. And on that note, I'm going to do like a slight tangent. It... it I feel so bad for teachers, I'm stepping away from culture, I'm going into academics. I feel so bad for teachers who teach, who put so much energy into lesson one of any academic lesson, not culture, that they want to teach. Like, I really want to teach this thing on um, nucleus and atoms or fractions. And they, they, they put all the energy and then the kids like kind of get it. And they're sort of disheartened. And that, that's very similar in, in, in the vein of like trying to create that prior knowledge because it's okay for lesson one to not be great. You're trying to create the prior knowledge so you can go back in lesson two and lesson three. And I think on the culture, it's the same idea. Like they're going to fail, but they're going to fail less when you revisit it again because you built up the prior knowledge that a lot of teachers skip. Yeah. You're, now you got, you can do your five because that was. Well, so I, oh, this, that, the, we're, okay. these were. Oh, we're, oh that's right. Because yours are. This is one of mine. And yeah. You already explained. Yeah, well, Yours, that was right, one of mine, one. so I'm going to put a check mark by it because I've already talked about that. I'm going right. to go for a light one. Well, I'm going to I'm going to break these up into so yeah for so for, I'm going to so, so listeners blah, 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 blah. we're going to <laughs> these these will be chapters right so number five okay. or at least the five regardless of your order I'll put those in chapters so I'm going to 
hit stop on this and hit record on the next one so you guys can have the time markers to skip if you want to skip oh what was that number four again so they can skip ahead to four okay. or three whatever okay. all right but you're good on this one right yeah all right so you get to start yeah i did a i did a really easy one for mm -hmm. my number five because i feel like everything else is going to be deep music well, now you said five but technically whatever. we just did five whatever so four uh, four <laughs> Well, that five doesn't even, whatever. Um, We're still going down. Regardless. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so my, this one, I will not number it, is music. Music, huh? music. I Music know. for culture? Yes. I guess like, I should always play music. You, yeah. We always yeah. had music in our classroom. Yeah. Um, it's a good one. And it, there is some, there's some study that I just read, I came across on Facebook, and it was talking about how music shifts the endorphins and like mm -hmm. it like changes your mood and so I always played music and it wasn't loud and disruptive but having jazz in the background having instrumental music in the background sometimes I even played music with words because that's how some of us think right yeah, for like I would do handwriting lessons well handwriting lessons don't require deep thinking yeah. they require that you practice it so we played stuff with lyrics and they were it was just totally loving fun it. and yeah. and kit like so we love music I think people we're naturally musical people and so to have music in a space it's like what do you do when you're at home or when you're doing work or when you're driving in the car like music is soothing and it 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 adds joy to the atmosphere and I think joy is a part of culture my well I I, I agree on everything I mean all the time yeah well no I yeah it's a really good one um four for me would be progress I have been in too many classrooms where I have watched what the teacher sees as what the teacher wants done like, I want to get worksheet 13 done. Okay, well, what is, that's cool, like, all good. What is worksheet 13 working towards a bigger goal that the kids connect to? And if they don't connect to it emotionally, they're not connected to it. And if they're not connected to it, they're not going to put in their best work. And you cannot make progress if you do not have a goal. Like, there's nothing you're making progress toward. Mm. And the greatest motivator, like article after article, research after research, the greatest motivator is not hitting the goal. The greatest motivator is progress. When people believe they're progressing towards something they want to progress towards, they're going to push. And that's why the football team, the NFL team, college team, high school team when they're on like proof of that they're on the seven yard line you better believe their motivation is really high that they're be to, to get to the touchdown and yes i know because they're close to the touchdown yes but because they've made so much progress to get to that so point. i think that brings up a couple of things for me one is we we like context even as adults right like we like to know like what's the point like what am i working yeah. towards and sometimes we don't do that for kids and I also think that's a human nature thing. Like, how, help me understand how what I am doing matters or what is it for. Um, Take anything in your job where yeah. you work as an adult. If you feel as if you're going through the routine, is if you feel like you're going through... Um, Nobody likes busy work, no even, as adult, right. even as adults. But it's, oh, there's this project of this thing that I actually want to get done or this even mini project that I want to get done or this event or mini event. Um, that you're not dreading because you're excited about that thing. Well, then the the minutia of progress to get to it. Oh, now I'm halfway done. It's 75% done. We forget that that being so powerful for us is incredibly powerful for kids. So, of course, the question that's left is like, well, how do you do that? Um, and that that's not something we have time for in this. The definitely the probably one of the greatest things I've ever seen towards the how on that, just to give a, a surface glance, um, otherwise you spend too much time on it, is um, you know the agile learning and diving into it where they have real specific team goals and they're all trying to work together in, in small teams towards accomplishing blank. But it can be done, of course, in so many different ways. I think that the asterisks that, that, or the be careful of the misconception, which is just because you see it as a goal for you as a teacher, 
doesn't mean they're going to think that's a good goal. Like, and, and, uh, you know what? I'm going to put a star here. Yeah. We need to do a session on understanding by design. Oh, that would be good, yeah. Because I feel like that. Yeah, that would be good. I think that um, that's, we'll, that's we'll make it more. That's the how yeah. on this one, which yeah. I think is important. But under, in, in, a brief, in brief terms, understanding by design is basically um, you start with the end and work backwards. Um, and then you plan learning experiences that will help kids arrive at the end in their series of like essential questions. Like what are the things that kids have to know? What are the, what are the essential questions that will drive their learning? I am not doing it justice right now, but understanding by design, um, fondly at, called yeah. UBD, um, it gets is, at that how. It's, it gets at the house. So we can't dive into that like now, but we'll do, we'll do a follow up. Yeah. Um, I'll have Dave do a follow up on understanding by design. Um, cause he's, way better first at it all right so, right, so we're good on that one yep right. number three this one gets me excited you start well this one gets me excited and then i start you do yours i'll do mine play with them mm. and that can be a loose interpretation but has to be play i say loose because sometimes you think play automatically means sports and doesn't have to be that Firm believer that whatever your passion is as a human being, and if you don't have a passion... That's a whole nother problem. Like, like <laughs> really, I'm like, I, I bet you do, but if you truly are not passionate about anything, I think that is someone who needs, and I, this is provocative and controversial, but like, you need to seriously consider why you're in the classroom. Because like, a teacher devoid of passion as a whole is problem, number one. A teacher devoid of something they're passionate about themselves is 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 the I I don't I I don't see how that's going to work. If I'm wrong and you, I, I apologize profusely, and you're loving your classroom culture and like you're not passionate about anything. I think what the bigger picture of what I'm trying to say is that if you can take what you deeply are passionate about and infuse that in some way no matter how small to large in the classroom you're going to make a profound progress with your kids if you are an awesome artist my goodness you can put art embedded within so many academic lessons the beauty is it doesn't have to be academic doing some extra thing on the side or during the day or not during the day or maybe during once in a while an ancillary period or do the ancillary thing with the ancillary teacher like there's just so many ways you could look at this that even if it's just five percent of the time three percent of the time what are you passionate about and you put that in the classroom it's going to make a difference i'm passionate about cleaning i'm passionate about dogs <laughs> and oh they cleaned in that classroom <laughs> i'm passionate um, about sports, I'm passionate about working out, and not one of those four was ever missing in or out of the classroom yeah. in the time that I did. And the point isn't the passion. The point is to do that thing with them. Because if you deeply care about something, they are not all going to deeply care about it. There are going to be a minority that don't care at all. But the point is that the majority are going to get excited to some degree about the thing that you're excited about because what's cool about it is going to, it's going to go to them. It's going, they're going to feel it and they're going to enjoy it. Kids like getting excited about the most random stuff. I mean, you know, a new song comes out on the radio and they're like, oh, this is my song. Like, it just came out of nowhere and... 70% of them think it's the coolest thing. It doesn't take much for a kid to get jazzed. They just want to get jazzed about cool things. So if a teacher loves blank and they can introduce it to some degree and then do that thing with your kids, it's, it's, the, it's the un... That's the word I'm looking for. It is the unspoken advantage you get. And the unspoken advantage wasn't the passion... It wasn't even the energy. It's that you were excited to do that thing with them. The greatest gift we can give people isn't money, isn't gifts. The greatest gift we can give people is our time. And when you spend time that connects to your passion, it's automatically going to be quality time. 
And when you can spend quality time with the kids in your classroom, with your children at home or outside of home, then that builds relationships. And there is no such thing as a culture without relationships, not a strong, exciting culture that you would be excited to go to class into. It doesn't exist. I'm sorry, but relationships are the non-negotiable. And relationships cannot exist without quality time. Okay. <laughs> um, I think... Could you tell I got fired up? Yeah, I was, like, you, I was like, I don't know what I'm supposed to say after that. I I have one, I have one you you see yours is, you said play with them and I I think it's a, I'd go a little a level deeper than that and I think it is what I wrote is be yourself like bring your whole self so into is, your classroom is this your overlap um from one of the list or is this like I feel I feel like on... it's an overlap okay um so it is one of mine got it um I think like when you can bring your whole self to the classroom you are you are being a light for your kids you are showing them what it means to be a passionate happy thriving human being and the alternative is they just see you as the teacher and you are one-dimensional and all you talk about is math and that's not that may not be fun for them but when they learn that you love this kind of music you're adding a new dimension and they're like oh that's interesting and when they learn that you love LeBron James and you got LeBron James posters up and you can talk about his stats and how he just you know bested Michael Jordan's stats for career points and all those things you are adding a dimension right they are like oh you are a real person and that like there is something you care about in addition to math. Um, I think that is really powerful for kids. And when you said you can't have, like if you don't have a passion, you may not need to be in the classroom. And I immediately thought about a couple of people who I taught alongside at some point in my career who just seemed to be like empty vessels, right? And they just, there was, there was like, I don't want to say soulless, but they just were like flat. And I, and I was like, oh my gosh, they had no passion. Or if they did, they just didn't bring, they it, just didn't bring yeah, it. That would have been a good opportunity for them. They didn't, they didn't bring it out. And so like... And it's scary. Because like, you're, you're, you're vulnerable. vulnerable. Yeah. yeah, and you're being vulnerable with people who you were like, do I really know them or trust them enough to like bring my whole self? But the flip side of that is, if you are not bringing your whole self, why do you expect them to bring their whole selves? Like... That is like the, the greatest gift to me is like to create a space where people can be who they are. And if you are able to, to do that in your classroom, to me that's what culture is, like to, to create a space where people can be who they are and we subscribe to one kind of belief of how we operate in this space. The path to that is like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna show up as my whole self. I'm gonna be honest about who I am and I'm going to enjoy those things with you. And so when you talked about, like, Dave loves sports, specifically baseball. And he also loves Shanti. So if you have any connections to Shanti, please let us know. Um, before the standardized test, so there are two things he would do. One, before the standardized test, <laughs> the kids would do a Shanti workout. Because, one, studies show that, like, exercising is good for kids before they have to perform on an exam. So sit in a seat for five hours. If you're sitting in a seat for five hours straight, who could do that? Like I'm, I'm 41 years old. I can't sit in a seat for five hours straight and not get antsy. So these are children. So he would go to the gym, and they would do a 20 minute, 25 minute Shanti workout. Sweat pouring. and sweat, <laughs> and the kids loved it, and they loved it because he loved it, and they, they would like try to beat their their times, and it wasn't, it wasn't about. It wasn't about anything other than he loves this. This ties into helping them be great in the classroom. He introduced it to the kids, and it was just a bunch of fun. And doing it with them. You know, it's not, I'm excited about this thing. You you go do it, and I'll, I'll be a coach. Oh, no. he, I'm a coach. Yeah, I'll watch yeah. you. He did the workout, too. Like, he was, like, leading the, the workout. And then he also would do, like, a kickball tournament. Because it's, like, it's like baseball, but you're just kicking the ball. You do a kickball tournament, and the kids loved it. 
And you might think, I don't have time for that because I got these standards to meet. I got these goals. What you get is buy-in, right? Because of the, like, that you are playing with them, they are seeing you as a person and they can relate to you a lot more. You get to celebrate them when you, when they round the bases and you get to celebrate them when they work hard in the workout. And that might be the like confidence boost they need to work harder for you in the classroom. When kids relate to you and they know that you see them and that you, that you are like shining your light before them, when it comes time to do something hard in the classroom, they will work so much harder for you. And that doesn't happen if you don't have relationship and you cannot have relationship if you are not being yourself because it's fake and kids can smell a fake. The, the play with them, this is the one where I said overlaps to 100% to all the other four that yeah. I have. Um, we had done, number first one was preventive maintenance, you know, teaching what you want before. Yeah. Well, this is, this is when you play with them, that's exactly what you're doing is you're setting up that that mind frame that we're going to learn these things together to lead up to get better at the workout or to be prepared for the tournament, you got to do these small lessons first. And an example of this, and then I think we'll move on to the next one. An example of this is like the Ron Clark Academy, right? He is all over Facebook because his kids are like dancing on the tables and they are just having fun with their kids. I... And we, we see it come through on Instagram and everybody's like, this is so awesome. I wish our school could be like this. I wish my kids' school were like this. You can do that. We've somehow been told that school has to be this stoic, cold place. And nothing about that is what human nature desires. And it doesn't have to be dancing on the table yeah because i wasn't a sing and dance kind of teacher it has to <laughs> and, and you don't have to think well i don't you know we don't have the experts no, no you are the expert because you are passionate about it, it can be quiet it can be calm like yeah. you are passionate about pastels with mozart playing in the background and like you are really good at that and you enjoy it so then people walk into your classroom and they're doing either that just in it itself or they're doing that embedded through some math lesson. Like, and then that gets kids excited because it's this totally different approach. Than doing page 13, than all the evens. Than 13, yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the general happiness... Safety, comfort, joy in the room is critical to to the how hard they're gonna work. If it's a controlling environment, if it is a very high compliance because the big bad mean wolf teacher is staring at them, there's a lack of independence and this very rigid feel and dare I say just consistent frustration from the teacher I just it's just not gonna work so this is my this is where it's getting heavy because now we're on number uh, two and all I put I don't really have a title for this one I put are you um, often upset and are you telling them the specific things you like that they did and I, it's, it's it's sort of vague but it's it's the idea that you can walk into any class and in under 10 seconds there's a mood there's a feel in that room and that is the symptom of an exciting effective powerful culture or lack thereof and that doesn't really come from doesn't have to get complicated it's like how much is the teacher in making the room feel like this is a place where it's safe and it's warm and yes we still work hard and there's this 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 just wrong belief that in order to work hard things have to be serious and rigid and it's just simply not true i understand that it, it might be like an avenue to take that it's easier to demand hard work and discipline when you're being tough and disciplined and, and maybe there's times for that, but overall, I think that it's ineffective. And I don't, and I've watched it, I've seen it, um, and it, it just 
they're just simply not going to work hard because next to progress, the greatest motivator to getting things done is joy. I was going to say, what feels good? Yeah. What feels good. And, and, and you can only, you're, you're, you're establishing a plateau. You can only work so hard when you remove the joy and the fun. Now, that said, I, you know, it's, it's easy to kind of misinterpret these things. I remember one teacher specifically who was so incredibly kind, nice, smiling, joyful, but our kids didn't really produce that much. Why? Well, I mean, there, there's a difference between just sort of being nice and, how do I explain it? Like, there's being nice, but if you don't have any of these other things we're talking about, <laughs> it's like, right? This is the reason we have a top five or top ten, yeah. however you want. I mean, there's so much overlap, it's almost like a top five. The point is that you can't just have one of these. Um, and, and, and she just really didn't make relationships with the kids. Like she knew their name and she would say hello and maybe some high fives, but there wasn't connection. There was no doing these other things towards a progress that we talked about playing with them. Like that stuff wasn't there. Um, and so that you kind of have to have the whole deal, uh, rather than just one of them. So I, I heard somewhere that like relationship comes when you build things together, right? So when you, when yeah. you do something, when yeah. you do work together and produce something, that's when, that's when the relationship happens. So you can be a nice teacher, but if you are not doing the work with kids, you're, the relationship isn't there and you're not going to get the product. Right. Um, so I think this clo ties closely. No, I wanted to say something. So you're talking about joy. I actually, in my work with helping parents choose the right schools for their kids, um, I will often talk about the J factor because I culture is one of the things that I have to help parents understand is a real factor in choosing the right school for your son or your daughter, because culture is how the people in the building treat each other. Right. It is. And for me, there has to be joy in a school if this is the place where I'm going to send my child for eight hours of the day. <laughs> I am not, like, I want my child to, to feel light and loved and to work hard and to know that those things are not in tension with each other. It is possible. Right. So like that joy factor is was huge. It's, mm -hmm. it, and, and, and it's not it doesn't weigh the same for everybody. Some mm -hmm. people might be like, I don't I don't need it to be super joyous. I need you to get these grades. Fine. That's your choice. But I think what you end up teaching kids in the process of that is that they have to sacrifice their joy to get good grades. And that is a lifelong lesson that that puts some people on the couch down the line. Right. In terms of. <laughs> No, I'm serious. Yeah. Like this, or, or or less seriously, you're, I agree. Or or similarly, it, it teaches a subliminal message at a very early age that when you're done with school, you are to get a job, regardless of whether you like it. That's yeah, that, that's what that, I mean. And yeah. then you end up in, in like and a mid-life crisis right. because you're like, yep. I'm miserable. Yep. I I I am miserable I at my job. I've spent all these years yep. doing work, and there is no joy. There has to be more to life than this. And I am saying, yes, there is. Like we <laughs> have to stop teaching our kids that th that work working hard and joy cannot go together. Yeah. Because they have to go together. When you have joy about the work you are doing, you do it that much better than if you just do it for going through the motions. And yeah, there are definitely going to be times where the classroom is, is quiet and serious. There is nothing wrong yeah. with serious. It's the overall. It's the right. general feel. Yeah. It's the, it's the, the, the foundation that it sits yeah. on. Like It doesn't yeah. mean we're doing jokes and laughing 90% of the time. I mean, you still got to buckle down, but there's well, a we, sense of, there can be joy even in serious and quietness. Yeah, you can so be, when enjoy you, what you're doing. And this brings me back to the one you talked about, the one we talked about the first, like teach them what you expect. You used to teach time and place, right? Like there was a, there's a time and place for everything. Okay, but I haven't talked about my, my one. So I was, oh, culture uh, is where I get real hype. Culture yeah. and like joy. Wait, this and is, like, you said number one? No, just, this is the I didn't get to one? say, yeah. Oh yeah, go ahead. Please. But the, but this is a place where I am like, 
everything we do is teaching our kids something, right? So like this notion of like sacrificing joy to get ahead academically, I'm, I'm not here for it. So here's my, my whatever number we're on to. Um, treat the children in your class like they are growing, feeling human beings. I, I, somehow I think we like, I don't, I don't even know why we do this as teachers. Um, we don't look at them like little people. And they are little people. They are they are growing, learning. Let's let's define that because I I so like high five you through audio right now. They they're little people. I I think we probably think the same thing on yeah. this. When I well, I used to think that I used to used to think that meant well they're just little. No no no. They are the little version of the adult that yes. they will become. Meaning yes. they're actually not different. No, they're they and are so, like they are like they. Because we would watch our kids in middle school become high school and college yes. graduates, and we would see, oh my gosh, it's the same person. <laughs> what, and, and it's like, who do you want them to be? Right. How starts do now. you? How do you want them to be? Starts, starts now. now. Right. So like, I, and I made some mistakes. Oh my gosh, I made some mistakes. Like in raising my voice at kids, and and so and, yeah, I don't know. Some people do. Some people have to. But like, I did not look at the children in my classroom. In the beginning, I did not look at them and think, mm-hmm. this is a person who is growing their brain, who is learning what type of person they are going to be, who is learning how to interact with other people, who is learning every single thing, who is a human being. My job is to, to help them become that person. My job is to treat them with respect. My job is to honor them as a human being and teach them something along the way. That's my job as a teacher. So I cannot do that if I do not recognize that this is a, this is a whole person who is sitting in my classroom and that is a gift to be charged with helping raise them, right? And I, and I started to put on my paper, treat the children in your classroom like they're your children. Um, and I crossed that out because some people, you can't wrap your mind around that. And so they're, like, they're not my kids. I didn't, like, that's their mama's job. So I took that out. But they are our kids. Like the kids in your classroom, you will spend more time with them in some, t- in some cases than their parents. The job of raising children is all of ours. And so if you treat them that way and that you demand that they treat each other that way, those are the type of young adults, those are the type of people who, who we want to be around. Those are the people we want as our friends, mm-hmm. right? Like those mm-hmm. are the people who we, I, I want to- quality I wanna, people. They're just quality people, right? Like if Came you- Came from somewhere. If it wasn't you, an accident. Yeah, if you treat them like these are quality, like I'm helping these kids, our kids be quality quality human beings who make good decisions and when they don't make decisions I don't berate them under the table I I I discipline them or I redirect them in a way that honors them as human beings like I when we discipline our kids we have conversation with them because we are teaching them how to do things the right way not making them feel small for doing things the wrong way We'll make number one, since it's number one, <laughs> uh, short, because you have to get to your meeting. And I think also keeping it short keeps it powerful. I don't have so a cute title. So you're trying to say too long? No, I'm saying your meeting's around the corner. <laughs> I don't have a, a cute way. I don't have a cute title for this. I don't have, like, an eloquent way to say it. I'll just keep it really short and, and boil it down to, if I pick the number one, most effective, important, however you want to explain it, piece towards... A classroom culture you're proud of, I would put down trust. Mm. Um, do they trust you? Do they believe in you? And that can only be earned. How many times do they get ignored when they say something out loud? Uh, how do they feel when the answer is wrong? And do they feel belittled? Do they feel like it, there's no point in raising your hand? When you say you're going to do something, do you do it? And that means from the smallest thing, like, oh, we'll talk at lunch. Do, do, 
did you actually talk to them at lunch that day or did you blow them off? And trust then becomes the two way street because I, that's connected deeply to relationships. Yeah. If they trust you because you earn their trust and you always, 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 always follow through. These are children. I don't care whether they're high socioeconomic or low or mid. Kids so often are let down. And you have Ooh, an opportunity yeah. to be the rare adult in their life that doesn't let them down. If, if you have that, you have trust. If you have trust, then it also turns into you can trust them. If you can trust them and, and they can understand that that trust is the biggest piece and you never use the word trust or almost never to say the truth from you saying the truth to them. Do you lie to them? Do you stretch the truth? Do they say the truth to you? When you have a conversation, and I mean thousands of individual and small group conversations when kids are doing the right thing, when kids are doing the wrong thing, are, is the truth going to come out because trust is at the foundation of that classroom? And you have opportunities when you play with them, when you're making progress towards a goal, when there is a goal that they care about, when you're doing the preventive maintenance, when you're doing pieces of joy, and every one of the, the, these top ten or top five things that we talked about, you have an opportunity to build trust and put deposits in the emotional bank account. And if you do that, and they do that towards you, because they realize that's what we do here, and it doesn't even go said. And I think that's what makes culture so hard, is to build culture is so darn hard to explain because it isn't a clear road, or there's not this one cookie cutter thing. But if there's ever any kind of cookie cutter towards classroom culture, it's trust. And a teacher that's upset with kids all the time, doesn't always follow through, or barks at kids all the time, or doesn't really connect, but smiles a lot, like there's no trust in that. I mean, it, 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 there isn't then the connection, the loyalty, the relationships, and I, this is not classroom. This is human being to human being. And when you get your, your classroom as far away from classroom-esque that you can get and closer to human relationship, trust and loyalty and joy and care. How many kids in that classroom that you have right now can you pull down on a list and write down what they care about? Oh, well, Samantha loves gymnastics. Well, I know Timothy, like he really likes animals. Well, I know that she is in love with dancing and goes to dance every Thursday. I know she's big into, into her family and church, and they go on Wednesdays and Saturdays and Sundays. I know she volunteers over here at this thing. I know this girl really likes, it doesn't matter what it is, fill in the blank. Because you've learned what your kids care about, that's trust, that's relationship, and that's connection. And if you build that, you will build a classroom culture that you'll be excited to go to school every day. Because I truly believe that teachers that don't look forward to school and they're longing for spring break and they're so excited to get away from it all. I believe that what they're trying to say subconsciously, I believe their brain is saying, I'm trying to get away from a, from a culture in a room that I'm not excited about. That's my number one. So I'm like legit sitting over here crying. Um, when you said, like, we kids are being let down every day. Um, that uh, that that hurts me because I know it to be true, and it and I don't think it's intentional. I don't think we do that, but I think we sometimes forget that our children are people, right? And that we have that it is that it's on us to to not let them down. Um, and to be the people who we say we are going to be and to do our best to help them be their best. So I, I had to acknowledge that. Um, Thank you, Mike Feinberg, on um, be the constant, not the variable. It's, yeah, uh, yeah. it's one of the best things, Mike, that you ever 
yeah. thought through, and, and I know that was in the core of what I believe was the right thing to do for all yeah. those years, and as a parent, too. Yeah. So, it and the phrase is, be the constant, not the variable. Um, they're going to be a variable. So it's your job they're to be kids. the constant. They're, and, they're, and they're variables out in the world, right? Like, they're variables everywhere, but if they know that they can hold on to you as the constant, like, there is... There is so much power in that. Okay. Um, my last one, and again, it's not as, as weighty um, as that one, but it's protect the culture that you create, right? Like when you finally create a space where there is trust and there's relationship and you are treating children like growing, thinking human beings and you've demanded that of each other and and the students are responsible to that and are committed to that as well protect it right like if if something gets out of line you have to redirect swiftly because if you do not protect the culture that you say you value you lose it right it is if, if somebody treats someone in a way that goes against your code or your culture, you have to redirect that or else y- you are not doing what you say you're going to do. And you redirect swiftly and in the spirit of love, right? It is, it's not, again, making kids feel small for stepping out of line. It is letting them know that they've stepped out of line. Here's what they need to do better because this is who we are. These are the type of people we are. We make these kinds of decisions. You need to be accountable for the decision you made. You need to apologize for it because we are better than that. Like you have to protect the things that you hold sacred and culture has to be one of those. Also want to shout out to Lorenzo for one of our listeners for how much work he put in the classroom in his passion. One of the things we talked about on the list was was being really excited about something and, and putting that into your classroom. And he is a musician and would made that not only the core of his classroom but the core of so much of the school where he worked. And so if you are big into music, in particular on on the musician side, reach out to. Lorenzo, and if you email us, I can send that to him um, because he would love to to talk to you about that. But thank you to all for for listening. This was a really important episode to us and obviously an emotional one because it should be. We're talking about we're talking about relationships, we're talking about people, we're talking about culture, and that's that's no small thing. Um, that's that's the existence of, of why we're all here and and obviously then making a classroom that much more important and, and exciting and powerful and, and, and we're raising kids to be amazing adults and it comes down to it comes down to culture um, and it's something that's hard to talk about it's not talked about a lot and I think we're just as complicated so hopefully this breathes some fresh air into that um, please email in please call please subscribe that helps us a lot the more people who subscribe and what we really need your help with with the teaching gab is is please just share share with people who are parents share with people who are teachers I know if you're a listener, hopefully you see like that cross or that overlap between teaching and parenting. And if you could just please look through your message list and, and, and share, um, that, is, that is the greatest uh, thank you and, and gift that would be effective for us. And we have our, you have our contact information. Um, so thank you. And the uh, easiest way is teachinggab at gmail.com. Teachinggab at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.